Well, church, we are really blessed to have as our speaker this morning, Reverend Neil Bernard. Um, Neil is actually part of our church here. He's most Sundays off preaching somewhere else, but uh, we managed to actually get him to come. In fact, he has spoken at this service for us every Christmas for the last 25 years, maybe more. 25, Neil said. 25 years. He blesses us because, as you can imagine, this is a massive week, weekend uh, for us as a church. It has been right back from when we did the carols years ago, and he's always come every year just to bless us. And I know you did a little bit of a welcome for him, but I think we can do better for that than that. Can we thank, welcome Neil as he comes? Here we go. September this year, I had the privilege of going to the Amazon rainforest in Brazil on a photographic tour. And these photographic tours I always find interesting because we don't know the other people who are going to be on the tour until the, we meet up in the hotel for dinner that night. And over dinner, we're asked the question, could you say your name and where you're from and what you do? And there was just four of us, plus the photographer, plus the bus driver and the local guide. So seven all up, right, which is great. We're going to spend eight days together. And so, of course, it comes to me and I say, I'm Neil, I'm from Brisbane, and I'm a Baptist minister. And always, always there is a reaction. The guy who was on our tour said, well, I never expected that. It's like, ministers, Baptist ministers can't take photos. But anyway, it was a good time. But of course, being together for those seven or eight days, we got fairly close as a group. Had a lot of laughter together, a lot of sharing stories together. And one lady on the tour comes from Sydney and she's an artist. And so we're travelling along in a minibus and I remember saying to her, you know, we're looking out the window looking for some animal to photograph. I remember turning to her and I said, Chris, what are you hoping to see today? She thought for a moment and she said, Neil, I'd like to see a pair of blue macaws. So I said, well, how about I pray for that? Oh, she said, you are the funniest guy. <laughs> so I just put my head down, just silently prayed, you know, Lord, it'd be great to see a couple of blue macaws. That was it. Quick, short prayer, lifted my head. Lo and behold, an hour later, the bus had stopped. We'd hop, hopped off the bus and the photographer had said to us, quick, quick, grab your cameras. There's a pair of blue macaws in the tree. There they are, on, up on the left-hand side. Well, Chris looked at me and she said, Neil, how do you do that? I said, it's not me. It's not me. I just ask, right? That's all I do. I just ask. We come to the next day. Next afternoon, we're sitting in a hide. So we're in front of a lagoon there, and we're hoping that a jaguar will come down and eat a caiman in front of us or something like that. So we get some great photos. But all we're seeing is just a kingfisher grab a fish out and going back to the branch and a fair distance away. Well, we were there about maybe two hours all up. And so getting close to the time to come to an end, I said, Chris, what would you like to see today? And she thought for a moment and she said, Neil, I'd like to see a taper. Now, I'd never known what a taper was until I'd been to Brazil. And there's a picture there. Now, this is the one of the night before. So we got this one out in the wild. And I said to Chris, Chris, I'm not only going to pray for, to see a taper, 
I'm going to pray that we see a baby taper. Oh, she said, Neil, Neil, you are such a funny guy. So I just put my head down. I said, Lord, it's so good to see a baby taper. How good would that be? Well, we hopped up back in the bus and we're heading back to the lodge for dinner. And lo and behold, the guide says to the bus driver, stop, stop the bus. There's a baby taper. Chris just stares at me and I stare at her. Now, sadly, we didn't get the photo because by the time we grabbed our camera gear up, we opened the door, the baby taper had looked around and was back into the rainforest. But we did see it. We did see it. And she said to me, Neil, I don't understand. How do you do this? And I said, I just ask. That's all I do. I just ask. You are coming on every photographic holiday that I go on, she said. Well, we come to the third day. And I thought, I better test God no more. I reckon two. I'm just staying with that. I don't want to muck up the record so far. And that's how it was. I went to bed that night. I was thinking, you know, God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to bring the blue macaws. He didn't have to bring the baby taper. But he did because he is kind. God is kind. God loves to answer our prayers. And so when thinking about message this morning to speak on and knowing that you've been doing a series on He Came, I was thinking I've never, ever heard a message on kindness. I've listened to thousands of sermons. This morning is the morning. God's kindness. The definition of kindness, you know this, the quality of being friendly, generous and considerate, a behaviour marked by ethical characteristics, a pleasant disposition and concern and consideration for others. Synonyms include being gentle, being caring, being helpful. Now, this next quote doesn't come from Mark Twain, but a lot of people do reference him. It comes from another guy called Christian Bovee, who says this, Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Kindness originates in God. Have you thought about God as being kind? Of every person in the whole universe, God is kind. God is the kindest. God is a kind God. He spoke to Jeremiah and said these words. This is the Lord. I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice, righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. That God delights in exercising his kindness. A little bit different, perhaps, of sometimes we get the impression or belief, you know, that God's ready to whack us over the head every time we do wrong, that God delights in kindness. It brings God great love and delight to express his kindness toward us. Jesus said a similar thing in Luke chapter 6. Love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now, I wouldn't have put those two classes of people at the end there, but God does. 
God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Sometimes, you know, don't we think the unkind and the wicked, God is ready just to pour out his wrath, get his punishment. You know, tell them, shake up, wake up for yourselves. But this verse says, no, this verse says God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. If we are to be honest as Christians, right, we were there at a point before we came to know Christ. We were ungrateful. We were wicked. Until that moment, we came into a relationship with Jesus and his overwhelming love and mercy and kindness poured into our lives and we realized God loves me, even me, wicked and ungrateful. God loves me and our life is changed forever. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'd have to say, though, that perhaps naturally we are not kind. Naturally, we're not kind people. We get hurt by others. We want to retaliate with hurt back. Somebody says to us an unkind thing and our natural instinct is to rise up. You're not going to get away with that. I'm going to put you in your place. Just wait till you see what you've got coming. That's our natural instinct. We don't like others to be unkind to us. This is a strange quote. When I read it, I had to think about, still think about it. D.L. Moody, the great theologian and, and preacher, he said this, the hardest thing, the hardest thing God has to do, when you think of everything, right? The hardest thing God has to do is to make people kind. Thinking, wow. You certainly hung around with a lot of unkind people, perhaps. Naturally, we're not. We're not kind people. We do say things that hurt others. And unkindness, if it's allowed to build up and be expressed, it comes out in rage, road rage, Christmas shopping rage, social media rage. I've just recently been looking at my phone in the morning to get the news. And, of course, you read the news item and then you read people's comments. People are so unkind, so unkind, the things that they say. One man's unkindness changed the whole history of a nation forever. One man, one man's unkindness changed that nation that would never be the same again. Solomon had died. Solomon, the great king, great king, expanded the Israel empire some 10 times from what he took over from David. But Solomon brought in a heavy taxation on the people, so heavy, in fact, that they didn't want to complain to his face, but that when he passed away, they complained to his son, Rehoboam. Let me read to you 1 Kings chapter 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt and they sent and called him and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, this is the son, right, of King Solomon, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke that he placed on us 
and we will serve you. And Rehoboam's answer to the people was this, go away for three days, then come again to see me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the older man who attended his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? These are the older men, right? And the older men answered, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them, Some translations have the word kindness in there. If you will be a servant to this people today and be kind to them and speak good words to them when you answer them, here's the promise, then they will be your servants forever. Wow. Rehoboam, just be kind to the people. Speak well to them. Look after them. Bless them. And they will serve you forever. Oh, don't you wish that it happened that way? Verse 8. But he disregarded the advice that the older men gave him and consulted with the younger men who had grown up with him and now attended him. He said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus you should say to this people who spoke to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you must lighten it for us. Thus you should say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king has said. Come to me again this third day. The king answered the people harshly. He disregarded the advice the older men had given him and spoke to them according to the advice of the young men. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Rehoboam had been told, you bless the people with kindness and you speak kind words to them, they will serve you forever. But instead he went with the younger men that he'd grown up with who perhaps enjoyed the trappings of the palace and loved all that came with it and they didn't want the people to be taxed any less. And so they said to Jeroboam, your father Solomon, with whips, He disciplined you, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Well, what happens next? Jeroboam, I won't go into it, but you can read the story. 1 Kings chapter 12. Jeroboam sends his secretary out to the forced labor that are working in the fields to command that they work harder. His secretary's name is Adoram. And Jeroboam follows and he's hiding in the background to see what will happen. And Adoram goes out to the forced labor of the people and he says to them, you are to work harder, harder. And what do they do? They kill him. They kill Adoram. Jeroboam gets back on his chariot. He hightails it back to the palace. But it's too late. We read in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 19. So Israel had been on rebellion against the house of David to this day. One foolish, 
mean-spirited action by this king, and the kingdom was now divided. Rehoboam had the whole world in his hands. He just inherited it from his father Solomon. All the wealth, all the palace, trappings, everything that went, well, went with it. And what happens is that the kingdom is divided. The ten tribes of the north, they decide that they're going to go with Jeroboam, and Rehoboam is left with two small tribes. All because he didn't take the advice of the older wise, and wise men and be kind. He ruled as king over little Judah because of his actions. Unkindness can have devastating consequences. An unkind word said in a moment can take years to repair the damage. But the opposite is also true. I love this story in Scripture. How kindness can change one person's life forever. Kindness. The story of Mephibosheth. Saul is king and his son Jonathan and David have become great friends. And Jonathan knows that one day David is going to become king. And, of course, in those days the history was, right, when a new family rose up to be king, that the king would kill all the family members of the previous uh, uh, king, all the family members, so that there was no retribution. They couldn't come back. Just wipe the whole family out. And Jonathan knows that one day David's going to be king. And so Jonathan says to David these words, Do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, 1 Samuel chapter 20. And David says this, I make a covenant with you. I make a covenant with you, Jonathan, that I will not do that. Then his father, King Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 24 says to David, he also knows that one day David will be king. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Saul and Jonathan die in battle. David is proclaimed king. And there is one, one grandson of Saul still alive. He's five years of age. And his nanny, fearing that he also will be killed, picks him up and rushes out of the house with him. But as she rushes out of the house, she drops him. And he now ends up crippled. He's now 20 years of age. He's married. He has a son called Micah. And he's living out in the wilderness, in Lodabar, in the back blocks, where no one can find him because he doesn't want David to know that he's still alive. Still a cripple. And David's wandering around his palace and he says to the court one day, is there anyone of Saul's family to whom I can show kindness? Anyone still alive? And word comes back to him. There's this man who's a cripple. He's in his early 20s and he's living out in the desert region. And David says, bring him to me. And so the court officials, they go to Mephibosheth. And they grab him and they bring him 25 kilometers into Jerusalem. Now, Mephibosheth is thinking all the way, right? I'm dead. I'm dead. The king has found me. He searched me out. I'm going to be die. And so he comes into the palace and Mephibosheth, he throws his crutches away and he falls on the ground and he says to David, who am I but a dead dog? David. 
first time it's mentioned in the story, says one word, his name, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, I'm not here to do you harm. I'm here to give you kindness because God has been so kind to me. How can I not be kind to you? I'm going to give you recognition. No longer will you live out in the desert places anymore. I'm going to give you destiny. The land that was stolen from you will be returned to you. And I'm going to give you blessing because now on to the end of your days, you are going to eat at my table. Wow. Wow. Why was David so kind? Because he said, God has been so kind to me, how can I not be kind to others? Is that us? Is that you and me? God has been so kind to me, how can I not be kind to others also? Jesus told the story. Jesus, the kindest man who ever walked on the earth. You think about Jesus in the Gospels, and you ever think of one occasion where Jesus was mean, Jesus was bitter, Jesus needed to get back to people with retribution, not once. Jesus is kind. Children love being around Jesus. Jesus told the story of a man who was beaten up and he lay by the side of the road, and there along comes the priest, and the priest sees this man beaten up, and what does he do? He crosses over the other side of the road, doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And then a Levite comes along, and he too sees this man beaten up, but he doesn't have anything to do with him, so he crosses the road and goes off. And then a Samaritan, a Samaritan comes, and he pours oil and wine over the man's wounds, and he bandages him up, and he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to the nearest inn, and he says to the innkeeper, here's some money, look after this man. And then I love this next bit. I'm going away, but I'll be back. And when I come back, I will pay you anything that is still owing for you to care this man. And then Jesus says to you and me, that's how you are to be. You are to be kind. That story now has been embedded in our culture. I heard it just week on the news. Someone talked about the, the deed of a kind Samaritan. Somebody who had gone beyond what was expected. It's easy to be kind to others who are kind to us, isn't it? It's more difficult to be kind to others when they are hurtful to us, when they are mean to us, when they want to express unkindness to us, for us to respond with graciousness and kindness. Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 21 says this, It is a sin to despise one's neighbour, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Kindness doesn't count the cost. Kindness doesn't favour the few. Kindness goes on more, exceedingly more than what is expected. Kindness gives generously. And kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. 
So if you have the spirit of Christ in you, you have all the resources of God to be kind toward others in a supernatural way. The world can imitate kindness. The world can do its best. But there is something different about this supernatural attribute of God when it's expressed in our lives that people will stare and, and wonder, why are you being so kind to me? This isn't a natural thing. It's because kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness does not consider the cost. It does not favour the few. It exceeds what is expected and it gives generously. And Paul was a recipient of this supernatural kindness. Paul knew it himself. He writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. When he arrived in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. I have the picture there of Paul under house arrest and other perhaps Christians not wanting to have anything to do with Paul. Oh, we don't go to be with him. He's under house arrest, house arrest. But here's this one man who goes and seeks out, where is Paul? Where is Paul? I need to show kindness to him. I need to bless him in some way. And Paul writes these words. And Onesiphorus would never have known that these words would be recorded in Scripture May the Lord grant mercy, mercy to the household of this man because he has been so kind to me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul writes these words. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put it on like clothing. Let others see it. In you, kindness. Many of you know that I worked down the Bible school down in Barrow for a number of years. We had a student down there who came from Wodonga. And it was just her family background that she grew up on a farm where they only showered once a week. And so she was living in the dormitory with other girls and Tuesday night would be volleyball night. So as a staff and students, we'd all be up on the top of the field there playing volleyball. And at some Tuesday nights, it got fairly hot. Now, Tuesday night was not shower night for this girl. And so she would come back to the dormitory and she would just jump into bed, change and jump into bed. And a few of the girl students went to my dean of women. They and she said to me, Dean of Women said to me, Neil, there's a bit of an issue in one of the girls' dorms. I said, why is that? She said, well, one of the girls only showers once a week. And it's just we've found out. It's just because that's the way a family's grown up, water shortage and all the rest. And it's kind of upsetting the other girls in the room. What do you think we should do? So I said, well, how about as the staff, we each throw in $10, $15? We buy a basket, soaps, and towels, and perfumes, and lavender. And if we just get this big basket and we'll present it to her as a gift. And Janice said, what a great idea. So we all threw in some money as a staff and we went in the barrel, or Janice did, and she got this basket together. Beautiful, came back, right? She brought it into my office straight away. Lavender, wow, just hit me. I said, that's brilliant, that's great. I said, quick, we need to get the staff together. Let's call Miranda down and we'll give it to her. 
So as a staff, we all got together, had the basket sitting there in the middle. Miranda came in. We said, Miranda, you're a great student. We love you. As a staff, we just wanted to bless you in some way, that we could do something for you. And we decided we just pull this little basket together, a little hamper together for you. Miranda started to cry. She said, I've never, ever received a gift like this. No one's ever been so kind to me. We're like, oh, it's okay, it's all right. She said, in fact, this is so special, I'm going to keep it <laughs> until I go home in a couple of months so that I could show mum and dad. And now, right, panic, panic. I'm stricken. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I said, Miranda, just take a photo. Just take a photo and send it to mum and dad. That'll be enough. They'll be really, really happy if you use it tonight, which he did, which he did. Kindness. Kindness can change a person's life. Kindness doesn't count the cost, doesn't favour the few, gives more than what's expected and gives generously. And perhaps David's words to Mephibosheth are the words that we would want to echo this morning. Lord. To whom can I show kindness? We pray together. Lord, I know this season is a time of giving and a time of celebrating and family, Lord. But also believe that you will bring people across our path, Lord, who need the touch of kindness, someone to bless them, someone to do them good, someone to encourage them, someone to go beyond what is expected. May we be sensitive in our spirit, Lord, to know those that you bring to us, Lord, that we might be the David in their lives. To whom can I show kindness? For your sake and in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. What a great word for us today as we head into our lights, in fact. As Neil was sharing then, I couldn't help but think of the opportunity we're going to have this very, of these next three nights, in fact, to show kindness and love to some people who have never maybe experienced kindness in that way, experienced love as the love that God has shown to us. And so this is exactly why we're doing it, welcome the crowds. It's those acts of kindness, acts of love that impact people's lives very, very deeply, in fact. I love that Titus passage. But when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, that was, that was that first Christmas, when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. It's God's kindness to us. Revealed that first Christmas, then says, okay, we want to have that same heart, show that same kindness to others. And so we're going to sing this song which speaks of God's love and kindness. Maybe it's a particular situation for you where the Spirit of God's been prompting you, hey, in this situation, maybe a family circumstance. I realize that's often you know, a big thing at this time of year as families get together. There's a situation where God's prompting you to speak words of kindness, responding kindness, even if kindness hasn't been shown to you. Maybe in some other circumstance or situation or workplace, neighborhood, I don't know where it is, but if the Spirit of God's prompting you, as we respond in worship, we want to respond to God's Word, what He's saying to us. Just say to God, God, help me, help me 
to be able to respond as you want me to respond. So why don't we stand together as we do that. Let's stand on our feet. We want to ask and worship and give thanks to our great God as we sing of his love and kindness to us. Oh Lord, we thank you for your love, your kindness, your mercy, your grace that you've shown to us, great God. Where would we be but for your kindness and your grace? God, we thank you that you have saved us, redeemed us, welcomed us into your family, great God. And you've called and commissioned us to take this message of love and kindness to the world as well, Lord. So I pray right now you're anointing on each and every one as we seek to welcome the crowds you've called us to over these next three nights. Lord, I pray that your love, your presence would so fill us as your people that as people encounter that and see that, great God, that they will be deeply impacted and experience this life-transforming truth themselves. That's our prayer, great God. And so, Lord, I pray that. And I pray your blessing for each one too in different circumstances, situations, particularly over this Christmas season. Maybe we those to respond in kindness and grace and mercy as you have done to us, we pray. And so this is our prayer. We ask this in your mighty and your powerful name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Some of our prayer team be down the front here. They'd love to do that. Don't forget, tea and coffee in the courtyard, our welcome lounge if you're new as well. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you at our Christmas lights.